Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic, in other words, on-premise, and on-location, in other words, on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're discussing failed startups. Did they really stink, or were they just ahead of their time? Before we begin, let's quickly meet who's on the panel today. Uh, Mark May, at Sensi Storage on Twitters. I'm apparently an IT luminary, so I know that now. Thank you very much. Howard Marks, you can find me at, at Deep Storage Net on the Twitters, and I'm an independent storage analyst and general bon vivant. Keith Townsend, you can find me. I don't even know what that word means. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hidden word. Howard. You are definitely a bon vivant. That's a hidden yeah. word. <laughs> Keith Townsend, at CTO Advisor on Twitter, Principal Advisor, the CTO Advisor. All right, so we three kings have been around. Uh, sorry, there's actually four of us, but that went worked better. We've been around this industry a while. We've seen some companies come and go. And it's always one of those things that you look at and you think, what happened there? You know, was this company, well, did they have a bad idea? Was it bad execution? Or maybe they were just, they just came out at the wrong time. Maybe they were just ahead of their time. Um, you know, how, how do you answer that? How would we know if a company was just bad or just early? Howard, what do you think? Well, I mean, you have to look at what happens after. The problem with being early is you have to educate the market. And we talk about first mover advantage, but I think there's a big first mover disadvantage. You have to spend a lot of market. If you are the first guy who has an all-flash array or an all-PCIe switched array, or any other completely, you know, if you define a category, first you have to educate people about why they need something in that category, and then the second guy who comes along gets to leverage all the money you spent on marketing. He just has to sell why yours, not the other guys. Yeah, there's a common theme in a lot of non-enterprise IT shops that you want to be a close second. You want somebody else to carve out and create that market for you, then you want to hop in and capitalize on all their hard work. Right. I think, for me, violin's a, a good example there. Yeah, so we, we see this even in the consumer space. No one will ever catch up with Nokia and right. cell phones. But Nokia had <laughs> a, a yes. immense success early on. this computer on, company thinks they can just this, walk yeah, in here and become a cell phone yeah. company. Yes. But the, I think the, that secondary look is a great, you can look at what the market leader does, and either do it better or take advantage of where, where, there, where, there, where there's missteps or missed opportunities. Right. And so, I mean, if we go way back in history, you know, Auspex invented the NAS market. And nobody has heard of Auspex in a long time. Honestly, I would go with 3Com, the 3Server, but I will uh, give it to you. The 3Server was not a file server. It was a disk server, but that's a whole other story. It actually looked a lot more like a SAN. But... but you know, Auspex came up and popularized the concept of the NAS as opposed to the file server that Novell was pitching, which was limited in power because it was an x86 when x actually, okay, it wasn't an x86, it was just an 86. Um, but, you know, more recently, the best example of they were just too early is DSSD. Ah. And. Well, but, sorry, can we consider DSSD itself a failure? They made something, had a, had a good exit strategy. Well, no, no, so, DS, oh, we got to separate the product 
from the company. So that's it, true. It, that was not a failure. Right. So um, I don't know. Is is it a failure? The the our good friends that got acquired by Nutanix. Did they Pernix fail? Pernix data. Pernix data. Did they fail, or was that a success? That wasn't successful. Well, let, let's let's just stop looking at the industry through the eyes of the venture capitalists. Okay. Right. That, that's fair. Assessment. For for DSSD, the people who put money in at the beginning had a good exit. The product never yes. sold to anyone, and therefore the company was a failure, yep. even though the VCs may have succeeded. Well, and then Pernix uh, data, nobody made money. You know, they Nutanix picked up Pernix data because they wanted Satyam and his team, and they paid a bag of magic okay. beans for it. But back to Howard's rule. Looking at those companies, your your metric was looking at them after the fact. Are other companies now coming in Enjoy. to do that thing successfully? Right, and so, so for go ahead. So DSSD definitely, right? They yeah. built something mm-hmm. that there was no standard around, and then people were building a standard. And around all that the hottest storage companies, right. exactly. The, the DSSD story is really very simple. You know, the, those guys, Jeff Botwin and Andy Bechtelsheim in that group, started working on let's do ultra low latency all flash so early that they had to build hardware and they had to spend a huge amount of R&D money and time building the hardware to do the switched PCIe to talk to those to their own SSDs and during that five-year period NVMe came around and then NVMe over fabrics came around and the x86 processors got faster and more of the things we needed from the processor got put into microcode so by the time DSSD came to market, Accelero and E8 and Aperion could deliver the same level of performance. Okay, maybe it was 30 microseconds of latency into the SSD and, and DSSD could be 20, but close enough that it was the same thing with a bill of materials cost a quarter what a DSSD cost and that's assuming that you throw away all the R&D that went into building that. So Okay, so do we have a consensus? DSSD? Too early. Too early. Big red stamp. Ahead of their time. Okay. And, and, a, and a class of too earlies that you know, we've seen several times. The, we built this company based on the fact we could spin this ASIC to solve this problem. And by the time we got that ASIC spun in Generation 2 and it actually worked, you could do it in software just as well. And we're going to see that more and more. The the advantages of of ASICs have just shrunk mm-hmm. dramatically. So um, who else? Well, violin memory is a different case. And I would take that discussion because you know, to me, so violin's big idea was the solid state array. Right. And but they they, they but they came to market before there was flash. Yes. Oops. <laughs> but but. You know, when you talk about violin, there's violin and TMS. And they were, you know, TMS was actually out first. Mm -hmm. And they were neck and neck. And I will argue about whether violin had an all-flash array. Violin, for me, fit into its own category, the rack mount SSD. Yeah, but violin had a lot of time to, to pivot. Violin failed They, they failed the pivot. to pivot, exactly. So they, the, the early success, problem. no doubt, they went mm-hmm. public. So right. that, by the financial perspective, is a success. So they had the resources to pivot. For yep. whatever reason, the business model didn't and didn't support pivoting. Speaking of pivoting, I'm on a panel with two storage, well, three storage <laughs> guys, 
Let's talk about something that's not a story. Well, let's, I think we need to label violin first. I, I, I think they just failed to pivot. Yeah, yeah they failed, failed, to, failed to pivot. They, they, they're, they're, the, the market for the rack mount SST dried up yeah. when Solid Fire and Pure came out with similar performance with deduplication and snapshot. So violin should have been able to... Mm-hmm. They weren't too early on the they technology. They weren't too early. No. They, I think they made bad technical decisions that prevented them from pivoting yep. yes. and being bought by NetApp, EMC, etc. So, so, so is this another rule for the rubric of too early? So some companies are clearly too early, and you can identify it because shortly afterward, uh, it's where the market goes, and oops. Other companies are so too early that they could have pivoted, they could have adapted, they could have kept up, and they didn't. Well, I think that's that early success that gives them the ability to pivot. Well, and sometimes but, sometimes the early success leads to hubris. Yes. And you think that you don't have to pivot. Well, and innovator's you, dilemma. Nokia, we mm-hmm. talked about Nokia. Right. The, they just chose the wrong platform to build their smartphone on, or they waited too late for the smart, smartphone. They assume Dumb phone, yeah. yeah, market. They own the feature phone uh, piece, and then they just completely missed smartphone. Yeah, they missed the the idea that everyone would have a smartphone. They thought that right. many people would have smartphones and many people would not. And um, because, of course, they were in the smartphone market, too. They just didn't realize well, that it the, was going to be for everyone, yeah. not just for They elites. were in the clever phone market and wasn't really <laughs> quite smart. N95 so, was pretty smart. There's a bunch of companies built over this whole, you know what, let's make private cloud easy concept, mm-hmm. which is not a new concept mm-hmm. to do. Well, private cloud in a box, we had a, a whole segment of OpenStack in a box companies that went out of business, and now we're seeing another wave of OpenStack in a box type of companies come to market. Something in a box. Yeah, something in a box, whether it's OpenStack and or cloud private cloud. Box. Right. It, it is cloud in a box. Is cloud too complex to be put in a box. Is that too early or just a bad model? I think it's a bad model. I think cloud, you know, the cloud cloud in a box and object storage have the same problem, that they don't make sense until you reach a certain scale. Having a cloud in the box because you have one internal customer who wants to run 30 VMs you have to buy the whole box. And really, when we talk about box, we're talking about a rack-sized box. So we can and pick, when we talk about object so storage... Let's, let's somebody. So well, if you, we were trying to pick companies that fail. What was the um, big OpenStack play that had a ton of investment? Mirantis? Mirantis. No, Mirantis is still around. They're still around. They're still around. So there was one before that was a... Uh, they were actually... A, they delivered a managed cloud in a box... Um, Meanwhile, our listeners are yelling at their phones. <laughs> the, the, we know what the company is, yeah. is but let's, pick on, let's not pick on that. Let's just generically say almost every major uh, of the big three right. uh, enterprise IT companies had a cloud-in-a-box right. strategy. Yes, yes. Only one of them continue to have a cloud-in-a-box strategy. Is that just a failed model? I mean, these are not small boxes either. We're talking about no, and know, I and I think here one storage arrays, blah blah. And blah. and I think that's part of the problem because when you when you buy cloud in a box, we're talking about a three to five million dollar buy for for the box, and 
people don't jump into cloud having enough workloads to justify three to five million dollars worth of hardware on day one. If they start moving things into AWS, they can spend thousands of dollars and then tens of thousands of dollars and then hundreds of thousands of dollars. And by year four, the cloud in the box probably makes sense. So going from that, though, back to the premise of too early versus bad idea, are you saying that some things are inherently never going to be on time because it just takes too long to do it, and so they have to be a bad idea by definition? Yes. And wow. I think And I think that, you know, the cloud in a box is one of those, that you either, you have to bootstrap to the point where you don't want to buy it all at once. Are, are you arguing that the scale isn't there to do cloud in a box because you can't buy it small enough? Because a lot of um, HCI yeah, vendors I'm, do if, cloud in a box. Well, if... I could buy four x86 nodes mm -hmm. at, you know, so now we're talking a hundred grand. That was a full cloud in a box, ran OpenStack, did the whole thing. That would be a lot more accessible than if I have to buy what is essentially a large size V block with OpenStack on it. Yeah, the. I'm. Um, I'm not uh, buying that as a... Yeah, I, I, I disagree. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, let's talk about... We're drifting topic. off the premise yeah, here. Let's has. get back on premise. Yeah, so uh, since you're not a storage guy, I'm going to bring up another one just because. What about Coho? You know what, Coho... Uh, we all love them. Uh, so we maybe, all maybe this is another potential. So you've got Suck. Mm -hmm. You've got... Too early. And you've got two different. Maybe we've got, yeah, two different. Two different and or wrong market side? No, I think uh, they, they didn't have the right application. I think what their, their premise is correct. You're, we're going to, you know, we're, we're here at Cisco, right? Yeah. Or Tech Field Day. And the networking, the, we're seeing message buses as part of the network stack. The ideal of having services advertised over the network as part of an integrated piece of the network makes computer science sense in my argument. Yeah, but the storage application of it, mm, I think that's a, uh, I think that's an abstraction that the industry will adopt over uh, over time. But is it a standalone product? Mm, or I, enough to it, build a product? Is VM-centric network-based storage a thing? A product? Obviously, it's a thing. But. Well, I, I think part of the problem with Coho was the storage guys ended up would, would have to tell the network guys, and we're bringing in this switch and connect it for us. Right. Yes. And, and so there's, there's a, there was a big political problem right. there because it wasn't a storage product the storage guys could own completely. It included the network piece, and now I have to get consensus between the tree-hugging Birkenstock wearing... <laughs> And the incredibly paranoid, and you know that's difficult. Which so me, on premise, on premise, were is there anybody like Coho that we're saying, you know what? Obviously, if Coho would have done that at this time, same thing at this time, they'd be successful. I so think too early or bad idea to the user space, they might have been successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's lots of there's lots of things they could have done, but they didn't. No, so and, so bad idea and. <laughs> well, I, I, I think in the root too, of it... Too different. Yes. That which it, too different is bad. I mean, yeah. 
And you know, and there's like saying it. And there are some yeah. vendors today who have solutions that are very interesting and very appealing from a theoretical point of view. Right. But that are just too different and I don't know if the market's gonna pick up on the on it. You know, six years ago I thought server side caching was a great idea and Pernix and seven other companies were pushing that. So Pernix is another one then, right? We haven't really talked about them. What was their where do they stand on the, the premise? Well I I think if we're gonna say they're too early there has to be someone still doing that. And there are people still in that in the standalone yeah. kind of caching. Sort of. Well, Infinio, Infinio is struggling is is struggling along. Well, and you're seeing like uh, Datrium, which does server side caching back ended by a but very that's specific all, but that's product. All, but that's it's a complete product, a complete product, not a pinpoint solution. And yeah, so is the, is is that a feature, not a product? Right, exactly. That's um, actually I think actually it, that the proper thing to have happened, which didn't, is for the platform people, Microsoft and VMware, to have built decent caching into the operating system hypervisor. So a feature. As, so. And it was much more a feature than yep. a product because it was doing it yourself with a Pernix data or a Flash soft, which still exists, meant you had to go, I had to pick four parts and I have to put them together and I have to engineer it. And then when something goes wrong, the vendors of all four parts are just going to point fingers at each other. So, to sum up, certainly some companies are too early. Yes. You can spot them because just after they go bust, or while they're still sliding down the hill, new competitors with basically the same idea spring up, and they're successful. Some companies are in the wrong market, or developing a feature and not a product. Right. Some companies just don't adapt as the market changes, or perhaps it takes too long to implement what they're doing, and so they can never be on time with it. And, well, I suppose some just stink. I guess uh, time will tell, uh, looking at the companies around in the industry now, uh, which these are. Thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, since that really helps our visibility. Also, please share the show with your friends, especially if it will drive them crazy to see somebody say on-premise instead of (laughs) on-premises. This podcast was brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more, go to GestaltIT.com slash podcast. I'm Stephen Foskett. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.